welcome beverage industry professionals to The Shine Runner Show, quenching your marketing, distribution, and sales thirst for more horsepower on the craft beer, cider, and spirits industry. My name is Mark Colburn, and I'll be your crew chief. Today's episode is chain merchandising and fighting for floor space. Our program objective is to provide you with an overview of marketing, distribution, and sales learnings and experiences from me, who's been in the craft beer, spirits, and cider business for over 25 years. The goal of this program will be to help you better understand marketing's role, priority, and importance in the marketplace and how it relates to your business model. Please send Shine Runner episode questions or comments to shinerunner at thebrewingnetwork.com. Quick recap from episode 13. Hopefully you'll recall that the U.S. supermarket channel, what I call the bigs, is the largest in the world. It is also one of the most competitive as beer, FMBs, cider, mead, all compete for finite shelf and display space with aggressive spirits and wine competitors. As a former brand manager, I presented to the chains with sales teams and quickly learned who was and still is the boss. Always remember who has the power in the chain supplier equation. Without the supermarkets, your volume will depend upon taproom sales, independents, delis, on-premise accounts. This might be fine for your brand, but the volume is truly found within the massive U.S. supermarket channel. In the last episode, I touched on division and store manager meeting opportunities. Always take advantage of this time to educate this captive audience on your brand. Ask to participate in these meetings. Get their commitment and support for your authorization once you have that meeting. Recall that people and retailers will sell for people and brands that they like. After scheduling a buyer meeting, do your homework. Your benchmark should be that this presentation is the greatest of your career. Bring your A++ game. Prepare. Research. Rehearse. Anticipate questions. This preparation will improve your probability of success. Throw in a dash of creativity and maybe even a mocha. Realize that your competition won't put forth this effort. I've sat through many uh, and and most many uh, competitive presentations or listened to such, and most people rely on their egos that tell them how great their presentations are, when in fact, they're barely mediocre. This is a hidden chink in your competitor's armor. Exploit the heck out of it. Remember, call ahead and reserve a room. Arrive early and get set up. Know your surroundings. Get comfy. Take a trial run or two. Each time you rehearse, you'll find that you can fine-tune or ratchet up your presentation by a few more horsepower. Make sure your team is equally ready. I believe in suiting up, what I call WSLC, Wool, silk, leather, cotton. It's up to you, but be sure to look professional and neat. This environment is quite different 
from your tap room, bar, mom and pop, or production floor. Zig when others zag. Funkifies. Include your KDA, marketing story. Bring cold samples and glassware. As I said last time, no Dixie cups, no plastic. Show off your packaging. Talk about your local events, your sponsorship calendar, and your experiential marketing feedback. Uh, Hopefully you've got some, such as quotes, some video, photos, uh, customer target market, brand interaction. This brings uniqueness to your presentation, really helps it stand out in the buyer's mind. Lastly, be patient. I've had to wait several hours for a supermarket VP buyer meeting after flying for over three. Did I hammer the guy for wasting so much of my time? No way. So today's topic is chain merchandising and fighting for floor space. Today's episode will consist of recommendations on how to work with and conduct yourself in the chains. But first, I want to share some experiences on how I got more space for craft beer and cider. So out here in California, it's probably the same in your market. There's a a hyper-focus on local suppliers with the big retailers. All you have to do is is walk the aisles. Now, this one retailer that I'm going to talk about, they feature uh, the supplier town origins in aisle point of sale. These these hang down and really promote where these suppliers are, are based. So my goal with this retailer was to create a campaign that would feature local California craft brands while generating incremental shelf space within the nation's largest supermarket retailer. The concept I came up with was Drink California, and it was designed to feature local craft brewers that would rotate through the campaign. I presented this concept at the division manager level, and the DMs, they loved it. I got approval, and then I went to the store level. Now, always include the store manager after meeting with the DM or the buyer. This is a must. We had uh, logos made. Uh, The logo was the California State, and it was filled with what I call Pavlovian IPA, a deep golden beer graphic that uh, also showcased the brewery's headquarters on the state map. This really was a good attention getter. Um, The KDA and marketing story, as I preached, you always have to include this. Uh, I wrote a creative marketing story after researching the brewery, getting a lot of input from the ownership and management team. I included their recent beer ratings and medals. And then I had this laminated for easy consumer reading and viewing. Now, to increase awareness for this, uh, we we made two six-foot, two-way color banners that were hung over the display. Our pricing, part of our four Ps or our marketing mix, we we nailed that too with a, a, the supplier had a post off for roughly three weeks. I think it was something like $1.75 or $2 off a, um, a case. So the results, rather than just get a, a shelf or two on the end cap, some of the stores, believe it or not, they gave us the entire end cap. As a result, we filled the space with all the brand six-packs and made a bomber 22-ounce shelf to promote those trial-inducing packages. 
So you get to get the feeling for, you can see how these relationships, the store manager, the division manager are so vital and can be used to your brand's benefit. So continuing on relationships, we, we constantly hear this term and I'm sure you understand the importance of solid relationships, especially when it pertains to large retailers. But I've got one more story for you. It's about never giving into the status quo, kind of a classic zig versus zag. Listen in as I take you through some creativity and old-fashioned tenacity. Here was the situation. We had a large national drug chain in our market that sold a fair amount of beer. They were headquartered out of state, but they had a Northern California division manager team. Now, this team was led by what I'm going to call an alpha DM that dominated the district with an iron fist. One of his mandates was that his team would under no circumstances meet with a distributor representative. For years, our general manager and president tried to meet with him and his team, always being denied really to the point of giving up. I heard about this denial from my boss and decided to take some personal initiative. So if our president could not get a meeting, then I would not be so naive as to try to get one through a phone call or email. Instead, I devised a plan. The plan was similar to to Gordon Gecko's in the movie Wall Street. In a portion of the film, he directs a young upstart, Bud Fox, as played by Charlie Sheen, to methodically study a competitive investor. I didn't follow the DM around on a motorcycle. However, I began to paint a picture of this fellow from conversations and meetings with those who had met him previously. I also gained a rapport with the chain's receptionist, who provided great insight into his character. Just like Austin, I developed a profile for this target. I found out that he was not particularly popular with those who met him and that meetings with him were always short. Probing further, I realized that his ethos, like many others, was time is money. I had to sympathize with him given my knowledge and experience of supplier presentations, which are seldom rehearsed and typically impromptu resulting in significant overtime. I found several common denominators, however, that were helpful. I did not get him any cigars, but I learned that he relished dressing like Gordon Gecko. I started drawing parallels between him and Michael Douglas's character. One of my best contacts shared that he would not present to him again because he was such a Jerky beef. Uh, Perhaps this was his intent, which resulted in more time to meet with his store managers and see his stores. As I've said in podcasts two and three, the more you understand your target market, the higher the probability of success you will have. Since my target was a busy clothes horse, I searched the internet for high-end classic silk ties and found just the retailer. I had a couple ties shipped to my office, 
one for the Alpha DM and one for his protege. Taking a page from prior days, I had the ties gift-wrapped, then delivered to his attention by one of my brand managers at the district office with a letter that thanked him for authorizing five new beer and cider brand SKUs within the expansive division. The date? April the 1st. Surprise! While studying some IRI data, I sat by the phone in my office. Within 60 minutes of the delivery, I got a call from this guy. Despite his 25-plus year tenure, he had never called the distributorship before. I answered in an upbeat tone, waiting for the verbal beating. Instead, he wanted to know who I was and that I needed to understand that there were no authorizations approved by him and that he and his protege could not accept the lavish ties. I explained that I appreciated his call, his business, and wished him a happy April Fool's Day. I then asked if I could conduct a business review with him. He didn't start laughing, but he did invite me in for a meeting the next week with his right-hand DM. That meeting, a first for the wholesaler, resulted in multiple SKU authorizations, including non-alcoholic brands, and significant holiday displays that displaced large wine and spirits brands. It also resulted in the acceptance of my conducting a craft beer summit for all his store managers at a local craft brewery where I had 12 craft brewers individually present their beers to this receptive audience. I later took this group on a field trip designed to educate store and district managers to three local craft breweries that resulted in significant SKU authorization and displays for the sponsoring brands. After that first presentation, which I'm proud to say exceeded my 30-minute time slot, at the request of the DM, I learned from his assistant that my employer was the only distributor allowed to present to his team. As the relationship grew, I was invited to the chain's golf tournaments and met several times with their headquarters category management team. I was also invited to play golf with another DM I'd met at one of the retailer's functions and treated to lunch by this DM. Now that just doesn't happen. The case volume and new placements results for the distributor were not earth-shattering, but increased tenfold. The effort also catapulted several small brands that needed this boost in the lucrative San Francisco marketplace. In summary, it would have been so easy to ignore the defiant stop sign placed before all others, including our most senior executive. My story is, is one to ponder, given the future's impending competitive landscape. This, my friends, is the kind of tenacious effort that it will take to succeed in 2019. If you're wondering, the ties never got returned. <laughs> so, want to improve your chain and wholesaler relationships? Then get out there with them and sling some cases during peak holiday periods. This effort will not be forgotten and will have tremendous results. Before you go, 
Here are some general merchandising suggestions when working in the supermarket trade. So when you enter the store, be sure to say hello to the store manager or assistant and ask if they mind that you merchandise. Some stores require you to sign in, maybe even have, an, uh, have a name tag. Meeting that store management also affords you a professional opportunity to begin a relationship with a key contact. Always bring business cards and watch out for those DMs. They're typically suited up and, and have an entourage. Once in the store, tour the majority of it from left to right, paying close attention to end cap or side displays. These will sell plenty of beer and cider, uh, but nearly always need to be replenished. Also make sure that the price point is clearly visible to the consumer. I normally take notes such as, you know, add five cases of GT500 IPA to display number one. Notes are important as there are so many SKUs in stores. After a few stops, they can all begin to look the same. Remember, you're not just merchandising your brand, you're helping your distributor. Don't spend much time analyzing competitive, dis uh, competitive displays. Uh, the more time you waste, the fewer cases you will sell. You won't need to tour the entire store either. You'll get a feel for the what I call the alcohol demarcation line in each store. After this line are the soup, cereal, soap, paper goods. Be mindful of your time, all the time. Walk down the beer aisle. If you don't have something to write on, then grab a spare case box bottom. Take notes on what is needed, beginning with products from left to right. Make sure you can read these and err on the side of overage. You can often squeeze another six-pack or some single serves into the allocated space. Uh, on, on that topic, I strongly urge you not to get greedy with open real estate. If a competitor, another distributor, has open spots, they may be coming afterwards to fill those. With your products in their space, they can then go to the store management to complain that you are ignoring the schematic and that can open up all kinds of issues. If you are merchandising on a holiday and let's say it's late in the day, then I might take some creative license with open space. But I do caution that you ask the store manager for his or her approval before getting too creative. Once you've taken inventory, you go to the back room and seek out a large cart to bring up the replenishments. You might even need to grab empty shopping carts. Once you have your carts, then you find your pallet stacks of beer. These can be tricky to find in crowded back rooms, especially at the holiday season. Sometimes beer is still outside. If so, be sure to ask an employee if, if that product has been scanned in. Very important. Okay. You'll also find backup beer uh, on the shelves that are dedicated sort of spots to each distributor. You want to find sort of your distributor spots. Locate that spot and, and pull from your notes. Carefully cut away any plastic wrap from pallet stacks. you got to take care not to cut into those precious cases. Uh, begin loading your carts, then proceed carefully to the beer aisle. Always watch out for consumers and their carts as they always have the right of way. Now, don't place that warm beer on the shelf front as consumers, just like you, want to buy cold beer. Pull the cold beer and set aside, then place the warm packages 
towards the rear of the cooler. This ensures good rotation and quality beer. After you filled that cold case, replenish the displays you noted as you entered their store. Keep in mind that there might be a secondary bomber display that will require replenishment as well. So if a consumer comes into the beer aisle, while you're working and, and seems to need help, feel free to hand sell them. I first ask if they need help, then what type of beer they're looking for. Engage that target market. Try your best to refrain from phone interaction. Emails and texts, they can wait. If a store manager sees you constantly on your phone, then your positive intent will quickly be lost. You can always follow up on calls as you're, you're traveling to the next market. If the call is super important, then leave the store to go take it, but always let your teammates or whoever you're with know that you're departing. Since you'll be conducting a lot of activity on these merchandising days, naturally, you're going to get hungry. So try to get a sandwich in the supermarket deli, which shows store management you're spending money in their store. Never hang out and eat in the store, though. You can eat while you travel to the next stop. I also do not recommend personal shopping, which will dilute your effectiveness and focus. The goal with what I call merching is to get more cases onto the shelves and floors than your competitors while earning points with store personnel. You know, what I forgot to mention is be sure to wear one of your company shirts that shows off your logo so they know that your company's in there during a very busy time. You're helping out. This is done through hard, efficient, and courteous work. But if you lag and opt to work slowly, this will backfire as retail does not have a slow lane. Never forget the power of a smile as you say good morning to the, these important customers. So how do you compete for wine and spirits floor space during the holidays? I say leverage the distributor chain managers store level relationships. Ask or Try to find a complimentary competitor to yours. Perhaps a white wine and porter display, a, a stout near the cheese section, IPAs in the salted nuts section, cider in the apple or produce section. Don't settle for conventional space or ideas. Go out on a keg. How about checkout stand displays? Now, I did this before they were placed by some stores on formal schematics. Simply by asking. I got 5K stacks at every checkout in one of the largest supermarket chains in the U.S. So consumers, as they're waiting there in line, boom, they're looking at your beer or cider or what have you. Don't forget pricing signage to inform the consumer of your price. If, if there's no price, you're not going to get the sale. So that's the extra, sort of the dotting of the I. Make certain that you've got pricing signage on all your products. Point of sale or POS. If you've got something to put up, always ask the store manager first. At Christmas, for example, I got approval to climb up on top of the beer coolers and build cardboard Christmas tree displays that included more cases for brand visual impact. Once I got approval, I built this into a chain-only distributor incentive, paying the chain salesmen and sales ladies for building these holiday displays. To simplify and ensure a consistent brand image, I pre-made an easy-to-load kit with example photos of the final look 
just making this display, this holiday display program even easier to build and make money for, uh, from. By including in their PFP, pay for performance, I got dozens of displays rather than the few that I could build personally. Always try to work synergistically when in the supermarket chains. In closing, product merchandising increases your volume and builds store-level relationships with store management and your wholesaler team. Always tidy up before you leave. You want the beer section cleaner than when you arrived. Break down boxes, then sign out. And, you know, take that extra mile. If a customer needs a box of total cereal, then let a store employee know to help them. If you can't find store help, then take the consumer to the cereal aisle. I did this once, and a store manager approached me an hour later thanking me for helping the customer. little recap from episode 14. This has been one of my longer episodes, which would take a great deal of time to recap, so quite frankly, I suggest listening again, maybe even taking notes. The bottom line is, the U.S. supermarket business is very challenging, will require your best products and effort, but can be extremely rewarding. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website at shinerunnercraftmarketing.com. My book, Craft Beer Marketing and Distribution, Brace for Skumageddon. Join us next time on the Brewing Network Shine Runner Show for episode 15, preparing for your 2019 Wholesaler ABP meetings. Mm-hmm.